0: Hello and welcome to the Irish NFL Show live from Arizona, live from Glendale, Arizona, the home of Super Bowl 57. You can see over my shoulder the State Farm Stadium. We are here. We are very close. We are just over 24 hours away from the kickoff of the big game of the year, the Kansas City Chiefs, the AFC champions, going up against the NC champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm here with Colin Cronin. Colin, you're very welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, it's delighted to be here, Brian. It's great to be back. Difficult to believe that it's almost. Uh, a year since we were in uh, down in L.A., uh, sun is shining again, got the SPF uh, 50 on and uh, putting it on like emulsion paint uh, to ensure that uh, we don't get sunburned. But a uh, brilliant setting. You have to say The the past week, the buildup has been amazing. Uh, I don't know how the uh, Arizona and the city of Phoenix do it. They're hosting not only a Super Bowl, but a major golf tournament and everything has run really, really smoothly.
0: This is the 57th episode of the Irish NFL show this season. 14 preseason shows, 36 regular season shows, six playoff shows, and the 57th show, Super Bowl 57. I'd Like to thank our partners Cassidy Travel who kind of put us to, put it together in terms of a that that we're here to do the show. So we really appreciate all the support throughout the course of the season. Colin, this week you touched on it. There, we were in Radio Row for a large part of the week. Obviously, you're here since Monday. I came on, on Wednesday. And we were in L.A. last year and we thought that was big. It was enormous in the sense of what we saw in Radio right with the Rams and the Bengals. But having experienced this year, it's, it's quite a different feel to it.
1: Yeah, it was massive this year. I mean, I think it was probably four times the size of what it was last year. I think that is down to changing of the COVID protocols, obviously, but also the fact the sheer number of of players and others who are now doing podcasts. I mean, you saw Pat McAfee doing his show, obviously, Kay Adams uh, was doing her show. Um, So there was more of the the setup down there this year, more tables, more people around. And over the course of the week, uh, obviously, we saw different people come through. I don't think anyone we saw had as big an entourage as Russ came through it last year. Um, but uh, Stephen A might have been up there. It was great. It was the opportunity to get to meet a lot of people. We have some interviews coming up uh, in this show of people that we caught up with down on Radio Row and obviously got to see a lot of the people we've had on the show over the past three years or thereabouts.
0: Yeah, Colin mentioned interviews. We were fortunate to catch up with Mina Kimes from ESPN, Jordan Chelsea inside the NFL for the score. We also have Steve Levy from ESPN, who's going to be commentating on the game for the public in Australia, New Zealand, really good catch up with them. You touched on Russell Wilson last year in the entourage. entourage and we saw we were fortunate this week because the, with the amount of people there, there's a lot of NFL players there, both ex-players and existing players, and we got an opportunity to catch up with quite a few.
1: Yeah, uh, d- lots of legends of the game, obviously, so people um, who just been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, got so plenty of current players as well. Talked about it a little bit on our podcast. Got to meet uh, for me. Got to meet Emmanuel Sanders. Got to meet uh, my personal hero Shannon Sharp. Got to meet Patrick Sertan. Um, so uh, and and obviously Jake the, Jake the Snake. Uh, probably more makes more sense that he was an ASU grad, so uh, that that he was here. But yeah, just a, a really brilliant week. I've never seen you move so quickly when you saw Shannon Sharpe. The <laughs> opportunity to get a
0: photograph him was too much for him.
1: Yeah, well, look, uh, I grew up watching the Broncos in uh, the late 80s into into the 90s. I think Shannon helped revolutionize the tight end position. A uh, big fan of what he's done since, obviously. So get, great to get the opportunity, shake his hand, get a photo, and uh, tell him like he, uh, he has a big fan base uh, across the Atlantic.
0: We caught up with so many people this week, and I felt the overarching piece was Nobody's really sure who's going to win this game. I know last year's game, there was a great story around the fact that the Bengals came hot, the playoffs got to the Super Bowl, and the pressure was on the Rams because Sean McVay had lost them. There were so many mixed opinions yesterday and on Thursday in terms of who will win this game tomorrow. Will it be, will it be the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, or will it be the case of Mahomes? And then we had this kind of narrative around, is a dynasty potentially on the cards? This will be, this is their third Super Bowl in four years. Andy Reid maybe slightly under pressure to kind of win a second Super Bowl if he was to lose tomorrow that's one win in four. Um, but again, it was so many different mixed opinions. So many people picking the Eagles, so many people picking the Chiefs. It was hard to gauge overall who should be the favorite.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of takes me back, I suppose a little bit to um you know, so some of the Super Bowls we've had because like they're very often a coin toss game, right? Cuz it is often the two best teams I think that's what we have this year this year in particular it seems to be the best team versus the best um, quarterback I think it's a testament to the job that Howie and the Eagles have done that they're facing against Patrick Mahomes and many people are saying they can win it it tells you just how strong that roster is the other piece is obviously the QB injuries that is a a piece that a lot of people are focusing on because how fit is Patrick Mahomes how fit is Jalen Hurts uh, will will they truly be at 100%? I've no doubt defenses are going to look to test that, that ankle, test that shoulder very early on tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, we have Matt Derrick coming on shortly from the Chiefs Digest, and we were talking to him briefly yesterday around Patrick Mahomes and this high ankle sprain and what's deemed to be a high ankle sprain in the NFL anymore, bearing in mind how well he played in the chapter game against the Bengals. But he kind of pushed back slightly, and he'll probably get into it more so when he comes on the show. Is everybody's talking about Mahomes injury, because Hurts has played the two games in the playoffs since the shoulder injury that there's been very little talk and he feels that injury is still lagging there he's caught up with a couple of eagles and he feels that injury hasn't gone away it's just a case of they had two reasonably comfortable wins because of the circumstances with the 49ers in the championship game and obviously the Giants not at the same level as the Eagles that he hasn't really been truly tested and I'd be interested to see tomorrow against a Chiefs defense this year that's kind of floating under the radar kind of didn't start to see season great came strong towards the back end of the season
1: yeah, I, I think certainly if you're a Chiefs fan that uh, you're going to take, you're going to look and you're going to say that the Eagles haven't been tested, right? Because they kind of, they, the Giants, the, the Achilles heel of the Giants this year was you could run all over them. And my goodness, can the Eagles run all over you if you allow them to and with Brock Purdy's injury. But, um, you know, they, given the, what the Eagles have done throughout the season, you know, they've been impressive and they can attack you in different ways. We, they aren't going to want to throw the ball too much tomorrow anyway. You're going to want to keep the ball. You want to keep it on the ground, keep it away from Patrick Holmes, run that clock down. Why are you going to want to throw it too much? But I can see certainly as a, as a Chiefs fan, a Chiefs beat writer, why they are focusing on the fact that Jalen Hurts, you know, might be carrying a, a little bit more of an injury than the Eagles are letting people know. Another storyline during the week was the illness
0: of some of the chief players. And it was floating around that one or two had picked up kind of a, a bug. And that's, again, has been played down. It's something that they don't believe is, is an issue. And they'd be, they're 100% to go tomorrow. Very interesting on, on Friday, or sorry, Thursday, that both sides declared every player available. Like throughout the course of the season, you have the injury report come out. And by Thursday, there's still one or two players that are questionable going into the game. Both teams, a clear bill of health, full, full strength. No excuses for either side. Whoever doesn't win tomorrow to be turning around and say, if only we had certain pairs available on the day.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. But again, like we're going to talk about this. You never know. I mean, who would have thought? Take the the Broncos against the Seahawks. All the talk coming up to that Super Bowl. Broncos offense, so impressive. Record setting. They they can do anything. The, The Seahawks, sure, their defense is good, but they haven't faced an offense as good as the Broncos. It starts the very first play, the ball goes over Peyton Manning's head, everything changed. That's the beauty of this game. You, you never really know what could happen. We could see something on, on kickoff tomorrow that could totally change the course of the game. It took eight minutes before we got into the Broncos talk on Super Bowl Saturday. <laughs> Only joke. But yeah,
0: you're right. Like You can't legislate for Different situations in the game. No games. No games started. We, we saw the Chiefs against the Bucks a couple of years ago. And Mahomes went into that game, and people felt he was injured. But Mahomes in that particular game wasn't the problem. Essentially, the offensive line was so injury injury prone at that stage of the season, they couldn't protect him. And the Bucks won that game. You can't legislate for a potential injury in the game tomorrow either that could come where a player is in early, but immediately has to come out for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they take take the the games where Mahomes had to had to go out, and Chad Henny had to to come in. I mean, injuries can can change everything, um, but. We were talking about two serious teams. Um, two, like the, the coaching staffs are what's interesting in terms of you got Andy Reid, who's in his 24th season, Nick Seriani's in his second. Um, how will that play out? Does that, does that put a little bit more pressure on Andy because he needs to win one? Whereas for Nick Siriani, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a gimme. But equally, you know, if, you, if you don't win it this time, how many more opportunities will you get to, to come back? There are so many intriguing storylines. We're what, 10 minutes in? We haven't even mentioned the Kelsey brothers. Well, I wasn't going to come to the Kelsey brothers just yet. I was actually going to
0: come to, you touched on Siriani there, and other teams around the league are essentially doing his team talk before the game. Because there's no extra motivation for them tomorrow to go and win the Super Bowl. But yet the 49ers players have been chipping away, kind of dethroning the Eagles, that they shouldn't really be here, they shouldn't be the number one seed. We've had the Cowboys come out. Julian Love for the Giants last week on Good Morning Football made a comment around anybody could come in and manage this team because they're so good, they've so much talent. Like, they don't need any extra motivation. And you touched on your time when you were in Philly growing up. And it's
1: just, the city doesn't need any extra reasons to go and win this game tomorrow. Well, it's a city that, that loves people to doubt them. It loves to be the underdog. It loves people to say you can't do this. And my goodness, if you're Nick Sirianni and the Eagles, you are delighted. I mean, it'll be interesting to talk to Matt to see what he thinks. I mean, Andy Reid has got to be thinking, would the 49ers just shut up? Um, because, yeah. So according to the 49ers, Jalen Hurts isn't a QB. And Nick, and according to the, the Giants, Nick Sirianni isn't a head coach. So apparently this team, the Eagles, are in the Super Bowl without a head coach and without a QB. I mean, that is bulletin board material right there. Yeah, Philly are going to love the fact that people are doubting them, especially the fact that the Cowboys have been chirping. So their divisional rivals have been having a go, and the team that they beat in the championship game have been having a go. That's just going to add, I think, to the motivation we saw it with Jason Kelsey when Jason Kelsey won the Super Bowl. The last time you saw him get on the mic, you saw him talk about how people doubted him, how people told him he was too small, how he couldn't play center. So Philly absolutely thrives off this. But so does Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely. It's it's
0: making for such an intriguing story. just so many starters going into this game. And we haven't even touched on the fact that for all the, as you said, the noise coming from other teams around the Eagles been here. It's the first time since the 2017 season in which the two number one seeds have, have come together but essentially you you kind of said it's the best quarterback against the best team but the afc at the start of the season a lot of people were very really strong in the bills and the bills got to the playoffs and obviously there was a circumstance in cincinnati which kind of derailed our season essentially because i'm not sure medically they were i'm sorry when it got to the stage of the season i think their heads had gone to a certain extent and the Bengals went in and, and put a beat down on them and then when the Bengals did that everybody felt that the Bengals would potentially go and beat the chiefs again it was Head and the, the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs three times in a row. They've got over the hump there. It says that they are the best team from the FC coming into this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I i have no doubt the, the Bengals, um, they, ha- they haven't said it, but they could point to things. The 49ers are pointing to the injuries. The Bengals could say, well, we were missing some of our O-line guys. We had a young guy who made a really terrible error in terms of giving away that, pe- that penalty. So there are things that they can point to. Look, you need a bit of luck to get this far into the season you need a bit of luck to go your way but it also helps when you have Patrick Mahomes when you have Andy Reid I'm looking forward to getting to to talk to Matt in a little while about the fact that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are so good at the scripted start right they, and and they will test that Eagles defense so there are so many so many intriguing storylines to this particular Super Bowl
0: disability the that these two teams have from the ownership and the GM this is a large part as to the why they're here because see when the, the Eagles won this, the last Super Bowl essentially then how he have to rip it up to a large extent and they kind of rebuilt the team and when Jalen Hurts got traded in the, in the second round they had the Carson Wentz situation and they moved on from him gave him his opportunity and even at an early stage of his time in Philadelphia people felt he was like the holding quarterback essentially to when they drafted the next quarterback he's proven everybody wrong he's proven myself wrong I, I kind of joked at the start of the season when you picked the Eagles to go to the to, to the Super Bowl so congratulations on that one. but again on the Chiefs side like they traded away Tyreek Hill I remember the day in which we That day went down. We were doing an interview with Jack Johnson, who went from the Pages to the Raiders. He was surprised by that move. Everybody felt that Andy Reid needed to kind of go in a different direction offensively and kind of bring a collaborative approach. And they went kind of strong in free agency, bringing in other players. And yet the both teams are here. It's it's it's, you can't kind of legislate for the ownership GM and given head coaches. I'll be Andy Reid is such a great head coach, but given Sirianni the time because you think back to week four or five last season. And people were questioning whether he was the right guy at that stage because they didn't have the best to start. You kind of cut off on off-season training camps and stuff. You know, kind of trying to keep the players fresh for the second part of the season. And yet, within 18 months, they're here and they're in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's a testament to both the leaderships uh, that you've seen. You're talking about the owner. You're talking about the GM. You're talking about the head coach. There's also, like, Sean Payton talked about that, right? And he talked about it before he took the Broncos job. He talked about it yesterday with Pat McAfee. That um, triangle between the, the owner, the GM, and the head coach is so important. And the, the trust that the owner put in Howie in order to change things and to get it right. And obviously, the, the Chiefs have had the stability. But the fact that Veach constantly is able to find ways in the cap to make it work. I mean, you go back, we're talking, we're probably, what, uh two years on from the Chiefs at one point at one hundred and forty seven dollars to play with in cast space and and they, yet they made it work and every single year they're competitive that's a testament to ownership that's a testament to GM and that's a testament to to the head coaches what you're saying about Sirianni is probably talks to him a little bit about the, the kind of 24-hour news media that we have now he was four or five games into his tenure and people are already kind of doubting him. People want immediate results. Um, and sometimes it can take a little bit of time to, to find your feet. Uh, t- at the end of his second season, he's in a, a Super Bowl. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but because social media wants instantaneous results, that's where we find ourselves.
0: Well, it probably didn't help at the time that the Cowboys were, were strong. When we spoke to Jeff Lyonbowl during the week and he spoke with Jerry Jones and how Jerry will be bullying about the fact that the Eagles are in the Super Bowl and he'll want immediate results. The Eagles fans, like most teams in the NFC East, are restless fans. They want to be here competing in the Super Bowl. And um, we are going to talk Chiefs more so, you know, when we come back into the show, offensively, defensively. We'll have Matt Derrick on from the Chiefs Digest. But we're going to kick off with our first interview from yesterday. Colin had a great opportunity to speak to Mina Kimes. Mina Kimes came on the show during the COVID period remotely.
2: It was great to catch up with her yesterday. And um, Here's a great uh, few minutes.
1: Back to the Irish NFL show we have a very special guest this person was kind enough to join us about a year ago virtually whilst we were still in the midst of COVID And today we get to talk to her on Radio Row from ESPN Mina Kynes how are you doing
3: I'm good so good to see you guys in person well
1: firstly and most importantly uh, where is Lenny who's looking after <laughs> Lenny is Lenny okay
3: Lenny is fine I cannot believe the number of people who have asked me why is he not here um, He's a diva. It takes a lot to get him to leave the house, so he's back at my home in Los Angeles. But he appreciates uh, you asking.
1: Well, I had to leave my dog in Dublin, so you know yeah. I get it. I I I understand. Um, Look, we're obviously, um, you know, everything's focused on Sunday, but if we go back, you were very impressed with Nick Sirianni um, back on the fir- very first weekend of the, the year, I think you tweeted back then that you admired his aggressiveness. Oh, I, I yeah. would say that, like, I think, I don't know if I've ever seen a coach so um, embody their uh, their city's culture, and I say that somebody who loves Philly, um, but, like, what, is, what are your thoughts on Sirianni, and, like, this is Guy's second season, a lot of questions last year, um, I remember gave up play calling, rolled into Denver. Uh, Vic Fangio kind of dared them to beat him uh, with, uh, with uh, Jalen Hurts' arm. They did it, and they've never really looked back since then.
3: Yeah, so I actually tweeted at the beginning of his tenure in Philadelphia, from week one in September 2021, because right out the gate, he was aggressive on fourth downs, um, which is, you know, that's the identity of the Eagles has been that way since the last time they were in the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. It's so a very analytically run franchise, but you never know if the new head coach is going to embrace that. Um, and I was very impressed by it. I remain impressed by it. He did it a ton this season. He's very aggressive. They were very successful doing so. I think that's very important in this game in particular. Uh, and as you said, you know, I really think when the Eagles made that change on offense and they really leaned in to Jalen Hurts' talent as a runner you really saw the, that offense take off in terms of their efficiency on that side of the ball. And then this year, of course, the addition of A.J. Brown, his Jalen Hurts' his evolution as a passer has been really impressive, too. And you have to, uh, I think, lay some of that at the feet of Nick Sirianni. He's been a terrific head coach in terms of the way this team um, is run on both sides of the ball, the decisions he makes both in games when it comes to things like fourth downs and general game management, and then... Uh, how well this roster is playing
1: mm-hmm. and uh, we saw Sean Payton kind of earlier on today and over the past week I guess when he was pitching about like what was important to him he talked about ownership um, general manager and head coach and that that triangle being really important and when you look at the Eagles uh, you got Jeffrey Laurie you got Howie and now you got Sirianni how impressed or, or should we be impressed or, or do we underestimate like Jeffrey Laurie's willingness to give Howie the time, after the the wheels came off, but to fix things.
3: Yeah, I think you have to put some of it on the owner because the Eagles have been very aggressive, not just in fourth downs, although you'd be surprised how much of that does trickle up to another, whether they're tolerant of that kind of risk-taking generally, Um, but also some of the moves they've made uh, in really rebuilding a roster in record time that this... Mm -hmm. Administration. You know, Jerry Jones today, I think, uh, had a comment where he said the Eagles, well, they went all in on this year. It's not really true. Um, they did something kind of interesting, which is they acquired a lot of draft picks over the last couple of years and, uh, you know, spent time trying to build a young core, but then at the same time, they also made aggressive moves in free agency in the draft, and all of them seemed to have paid off. So, uh, Roseman's been fantastic, it's the reason why most people view him as the best executive in the NFL this year uh, and I think that the job that the three people you have mentioned have done to get the Eagles to this point, it can't be ignored.
1: And On that team building piece and when you consider like the 70 sacks and the fact that you have four guys in double digits, but they might not be, I'm wondering, like, the, the fact their approach they might not be the four best guys on paper yeah. right but the, when you look at the eight they're probably the, be- yeah. the eighth best is that something that like given it's a copycat league are more teams going to yeah. look at it and approach yeah. get, recognize the importance of depth now
3: you know it's funny because last time the Eagles won the Super they also had a really yeah. deep pass rush yeah. so clearly there's something there um, I, I think it, it's it would be a nice thing to aspire to but it's one thing to say well we want us on Reddick, a Javon Hargrave a Brandon Graham, a Joshua, a Fletcher, you know, they, they, it, it is an area, though, where they have invested mm-hmm. a lot, free agency and the draft, and it has paid off. I would say this, um, that high sack rate, and the Eagles have the highest sack rate in the NFL by a large margin. A lot of it is the depth of the pass rush, they can't, the fact that you can't really double team any of these guys because they can punish you elsewhere. But a lot of it is also because they're so good in coverage. Um, this is a defense that is deep from front to back. A lot of the sacks are cover sacks, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of, like, the the way this roster is built, there are things you can point to and say, I'd like that, but they've just really found a lot of really good players.
1: And then I suppose on the, the other side with the the Eagles, uh, or, or with the Chiefs, um, we were talking to Matt Derrick, who's a, a beat writer for the, the Chiefs, and he was saying that, like, when it comes to that ownership piece, um, that the, the, um, They probably would, if you went back to ask them, they would probably acknowledge that in when, like, when the new owner came in or took over from his dad, like that first five years was good learning, right? There were probably mistakes. He, there are things he'd like to t- take back. Um, he has learned, yeah, you know. And they, they, if you look at Beach and what Andy Reed is doing but they have taken a slightly different approach in some respects, and they're obviously building. But I'm thinking of the fact that, you know, in terms of rookies, um, they have had the most rookies yeah. play this year. Is is that going to be, with Andy Reid being 24 years on the sidelines, it, how much of a factor is the the rookies on the field going to play on Sunday?
3: It's huge. Um, I mean, I think they've started the most defensive rookies in the AFC Championship of any team. That
1: the point... The, they probably would, if you went back to ask them, they would probably acknowledge that in when like when the new owner came in or took over from his dad, like that first five years was a bit learning, right? There were probably mistakes, he, there are things he'd like to t- take back. Um, he has learned, yeah, you know, and they, they if you look at Beach and what Andrew Reid is doing, but they have taken a slightly different approach in some respects, and they're obviously building. But I'm thinking of the fact that you know in terms of rookies, um, they have had the most rookies play this year. Is, is that going to be, with Andy Reid being 24 years on the sidelines, is, how much of a factor is the, the rookies on the field going to play on Sunday?
3: It's huge. Um, I mean, I think they've started the most defensive rookies in the AFC Championship of any team in, like, uh, years. I know that. Um, and... The fact that they were so successful, I think, you know, some of that has to do with the experience they have up front, obviously Chris Jones, but a lot of it also has to do with Steve Spagnuolo and calling this defense, which I think has been so impressive despite its youth. This is a roster that was supposed to be, I wouldn't say rebuilding necessarily, but when they traded Tyreek Hill for draft picks, kind of resetting their window, which is something you can do when you have Patrick Mahomes and he's only 27 and you want this team to be good for a long time. But not only did they reset their window, so to speak, they hit on a lot of those picks. Um, players like George Karloftis up front, Trent McDuffie in the slot, uh, young cornerbacks who, you know, you really saw grow over the course of the year. Joshua Williams, of course, Isaiah Pacheco on offense, all have been contributors, all who played meaningful roles in the Super Bowl. Now, to your question, uh, will it cause some problems? I think. You know, where I would see it potentially being an issue is if there's the need, particularly defensively, for in-game adjustments. That's where you sort of run into trouble saying, oh, you know, what we prepared for isn't quite working. We'd like to, you know, make this sort of defensive adjustments in terms of coverages and whatnot on halftime. That's where I think it can get a little bit tricky having such a young secondary.
1: I talked to you about, I suppose, the egos and, and will that, will what they're doing, impact? Well, I'm wondering, one of the moves we saw the Chiefs made this um, off-season was Brendan Daly, who had been so successful with the Patriots, and then came across to the Chiefs, was really successful with line coach, and then decided he wanted to make a change. He wanted a new challenge. And he goes to Andy Reid and he says, Andy, I want to move, I want to coach linebackers. Um, and they, they've made that change. We've seen playoff Frank. We've seen Chris Jones be one of the most dominant in the, the league. Um, I mean, might might we see more? Because up to this point, it has felt like for a lot of coaches, once you're almost in, in situ or you're at least successful in a, in a certain role, you rarely change. You might change coming up the line, but once you're there, is this something that, you know, We are we going to see more creativity in the NFL, more creativity in the coaching?
3: I don't know. I, I think there are a lot of examples throughout NFL history of... Uh, Different coaches taking on new responsibilities and seeing uh, different position groups improve as a result. But you're you're right that it's not the norm typically. Um, You don't see these kind of changes, certainly not during the season, Um, but to me it really just goes up to the head coach whether they're willing to kind of self scout and evaluate in the way that you said, Nick Sirianni giving up leg calling. Probably one of the hallmarks of a good coach, coach is that sort of flexibility and sort of willingness to think outside the box a little bit.
1: The kind of ability to, to delegate and be willing to and be comfortable enough to, to delegate, I suppose. Um, and in terms then of you know if um, if the the Chiefs were to win uh, on Sunday, um, you know, like for them, do we we really begin to to start discussing them as as a dynasty? Or have like, are we we so desperate to have that conversation because of what Brady and Belichick and the Patriots did? Do they break everyone's brains and we really want a replacement for that?
3: You know, I don't think it's because of um, the Patriots so much as because of Patrick Mahomes. Because when we watch him, it's so obvious that he's one of the and if not the best to ever do it. So we want him to be in the – not we want, I don't know if everybody wants, but there is that, I think, question, okay, he's maybe the most talented quarterback I've ever seen in my life. willing willing to admit that. At what point can we start talking about him in the same breath as Brady? And that's where I think it gets to well when he's won multiple Super Bowls and he's now already won multiple MVPs. And I think that's sort of um, getting to this. Like when we look at this Chiefs and we say, okay, like in this five-year run, you know, It's their third time in the Super Bowl. Well, it feels like if he wins this one, we can actually start having that legitimate conversation, even though it's significantly less Super Bowls on top right now.
1: is there um maybe um an underrated story going into this that obviously look everyone's focused on the Kelsey's and everyone's focused on Andy Reid? Um, is there something that maybe you know we're a, a position battle that we're we're not discussing that is intriguing? I love a good position battle.
3: um, you know I, I think for me that Chiefs young secondary is Obviously gonna be very important in this game um, But really I, I, I thought I just rewatched the AFC championship I was so impressed by their defense and how they played I, you know at all three levels, but They've also improved a lot as the season went on and um, when I was kind of gathering stats for this matchup and looking at where teams might have advantages, I realized pretty quickly that the Chiefs defense, their statistical performance, however you want to look at it, over the course of the season was largely irrelevant because when you cut it in half, they were such a different defense from week 10, week 12 on. They improved so much as the year went on in terms of getting pressure without blitzing, tackling, which I think you really saw in the championship game, Um, just playing sound coverage and, uh, you know, the, the, the prevailing storyline this week is we got the best quarterback and the best team, and I think that is true, but this Chiefs team
1: shouldn't be underestimated. They're not full of scrubs. Newcastle, I want to thank you for your time. As I mentioned before we begin recording, you have a big fan base in Ireland. I want to shout out Joanna Rudin. You should definitely make a, a trip over to the Little Green Island at some point, but I want to thank you for your time today. Thanks
0: for having me. back into the Irish NFL show from Glendale, Arizona, as you can see over the show at the home. Super Bowl 57 where tomorrow the Philadelphia Eagles will go off against the Kansas City Chiefs to see who comes out the top and be the Super Bowl champions for this season. Delighted to have Matt Derrick and the Chiefs Digest join us. Matt, you've been on the show numerous times over the course of the last three years discussing Chiefs, good times, bad times. So it's great to have you here. With us
2: today. It is great. And we've been saying for years that as soon as the Chiefs get back in the Super Bowl, we're going to get together. And we pulled it off. So it's fantastic to be here with you guys. Such an interesting week.
0: You've been with the players, you're staying close by. You've been at all the press conferences throughout the course of the week, the players, the head coach. Is there a sense of a relaxation about this team that all the noise, and everything, it's gone now, it's, it's, it's let's go win this game tomorrow?
2: Yeah, there really is. I mean, this is a calm and confident group that, that they've got. And I think a lot of it comes from obviously the experience of the veterans who've been there before and can tell the young guys and the newcomers, uh, you know, what it's like, what, it's, what they've experienced. The, the rookies, there's so many rookies on this team. They got 11 of them that are, you know, on the active roster. And they don't seem to be, you know, out of their own at all. I mean, they've already played some big games. Some of them played big games in college, so they've got the experience there. But the experience of when Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones are there to tell you what it's going to be like, and that helps. And then when you've got guys like Carlos Dunlap, who've been in the league for a long time, haven't gotten a Super Bowl, are there to tell you how, you know, you, you can't cherish this opportunity. All those messages really seem to be ringing true, and, and this team looks like they're having fun, they're confident, and they're relaxed.
1: I had to laugh, Matt, when uh, Brian said, um, good times, bad times, because um, there have been very few bad times <laughs> for the, the, the Chiefs. The Super Bowl loss to the Oh, a, a Super Bowl loss. Well, try being in the same division as these guys. Well, no, you can't have everything. They ha- they've, had, they've owned the Broncos for the last seven years or thereabouts, and... Uh, I mean, I suppose I'm just I'm just curious. Like ever since Andy Reid arrived uh, at Arrowhead, things have things have been pretty good. And obviously, this year uh, you're back in the Super Bowl. Like the Tyreek Hill trade, he he moved on. A lot of people, a lot of questions at that at that point. What was the the thinking? Um, you know, for for uh, for Andy and for Veach in terms of moving on from Hill, and and did they expect just because they had Patrick Holmes, we are gonna. So it's Super Bowl kind of every year, no matter who's on the rest of the roster. Well, that, that is certainly the mentality.
2: You know, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you you it's Super Bowl or bust every single year. It doesn't really matter who the other players on the roster are. That's that, that's that's your goal. That's the expectation. But when they made the deal with Tyreek, they absolutely realized that, you know, there were going to have to be some changes. Um, they, they really didn't have the depth that they had. And honestly, that was an issue in the past. Um, the last couple of seasons, I think that, that depth started to show at the end of the year when it became either Kelsey or Hill. And teams knew that. You know, and it's a great example in Tampa Bay, you know, they did a great job of taking away both those guys and then it's about who's gonna step up. Well, you know, Brett Veach set out to try and make sure that even though he knew he wasn't gonna have Tyreek Hill, that they were deeper two through five, that they had more of a supporting cast. And Patrick was gonna to have to be able to take advantage of that. And that's something that once again, you know, last year the AFC Championship game, not sure they were able to find that way. So between Patrick learning that he has to rely more on the supporting group and trust the guys around him and Veach bringing in the right guys. And, you know, and I go back to in April, you know, Andy Reid made the decision to say, you know what, we're going to do everything virtually. We don't have to. We could bring everybody in for OTAs in that second phase and do it virtually. But I tell you what, we're going to do it virtually. You guys go off on your own. And what does Patrick do? Patrick goes down to Texas and gets all these new guys, Marquez valdez Gambling, Juju Smith-Schuster. When the rookies get drafted, they come in. Justin Watson's down there. They're throwing in Texas all through April until the OTA start in May, you know, with the third phase. And they were already on the same page. They had that chemistry. So by bringing in the right guys and bringing in some depth, they really were fi- figured out how to address the issues without having a Tyreek Hill.
0: Do you think it was a case of Tyreek Hill is such a great player? mean, we saw for a nice part the season before the Dolphins struggles, a quarterback. He's such a, such a fantastic player. And Tennessee could have an offensive player in the year if teams hadn't gone around for the top. The, there was a sense of we needed more collaborative approach around this team. Like Juju Schuster comes in, Valdez Scatling, not massive marquee players, pretty strong players in their own right in the terms of their NFL career. We saw what Schuster did in Pittsburgh and he stayed there for another year. And, and Scatling obviously played with Rogers. So, experienced players that could come in and kind of quickly get up to speed around what the expectations are with the Chiefs and what's expected going to a go season.
2: Yeah, and that's a great point because, you know, I mean, on the one hand, the Chiefs went out with the right philosophy, which is that you're not going to replace Tyreek Hill with one person. you got to replace him with multiple people. And, and Juju was a really key piece because this was a guy that you know they coveted last year, they wanted to get back. He really wanted to say, you know, spend that last year in, in Pittsburgh with Ben. And that was understandable. When he was back on the market this year, I mean, the Chiefs were able to get him, and there's no doubt. I mean, this guy absolutely fits in this offense. It was exactly what this team needed. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they, they went in with the right approach of saying, you know, you can't replace him with one guy. But what you can do is you get complementary pieces that can be part of a bigger fall.
1: And, look, I suppose one of the key battles tomorrow is going to be the Chiefs O-line against that Eagles D-line. The, the last time the, the Chiefs, uh, obviously, against Tampa Bay, that was the piece that, because of injuries, it fell apart. We've seen the Chiefs went out straight away and addressed that. But, like, what from a Chiefs perspective, what what does that battle look like? Are they going to be able to hold up against, because it's not just four. It's like, it's eight guys, because they can bring in the reserves. So you're Craig Humphrey, and you're thinking, maybe I'm getting a rest here. And all of a sudden, Sue <laughs> walks to the line, and you got to face against him. Yeah, there are no breathers. I mean, especially,
2: you know, those two starters, you know, when Hargrave and, and Cox got, what, 18 sacks between them on the inside interior. And, and that's why, to me, I mean, I, I do think that the interior is key here because in a lot of games for the Eagles, they're getting great matchups on the inside. Well, I think this interior for the Chiefs is probably tremendously underrated. I mean, they should probably have three pro bowlers right there. Joe Tooney's one. Fred Humphrey's a pro bowler. Trey Smith is should be a Pro Bowler. He's going to be a Pro Bowler pretty soon. So that is the teeth of the Chiefs' offensive line. What those guys are going to have to be able to do is, you're right. I mean, they've got to be able to take on, you know, Cox and Hargrave and win one-on-one matchups because one of those guys is going to be needed to help on the outside. You know, you know with with Orlando Brown on the outside and Andrew Wiley on the right, they've they've both have had, I think, improving seasons. They played their best football collectively as a group that offensive line I think the last month or so. But there's no doubt. I mean, with the reinforcement that you're going to get from the, from the Eagles, you're going to have to provide more help on the outside. That's probably going to mean a, a lot of multiple tight end formations. Um, you know, Jarek McKinnon's probably going to be a bigger part of the game plan because he's such a good pass blocker. And, and obviously the Chiefs are going to game plan around that. They're going to, you know, put a lot of guys in motion. You take advantage of, you know, that to try and not only just see what the defense is in, but to slow those guys down. Because, you know, when you've got, hey, you've got Kadarius Tony going around the backfield and he can take that on a reverse. You know, the pop passes and the orbit motions they use on the outside, you don't slow down the defense. So the Chiefs have to not only win their matchups on the inside, but they've got to take advantage of some of Andy Reid's tricks to slow down the guys on the outside. I'm
0: wondering how balanced they'll try to keep the offense tomorrow, because this week, Hilaire has been taken off the IR, and it looks like he's going to be contributing tomorrow. You touched on McKinnon there, who's had a really strong season. And then you've got the rookie running back. You touched on the 11 players off the, in terms of rookie class contributing. He's had a really good, strong second half of the season. I mean, we all expect Mahomes to come out short ball, but is there an off-kilter situation where they say, let's try get to get the run game going and be effective with that, and then it allows us to kind of look for pass plays for, for Patrick?
2: Yeah, it's a great question because you know it, it, this has been a running back by committee approach this entire season, so it hasn't been down to just one guy. And so even though Pacheco late in the year was getting the bulk of the work, I mean, McKenna was getting enough touches. Um, you know, Clyde. We'll see how they use him. You know, before he got hurt, he was really more of a situational player, and he could still be. But depth for the Super Bowls. But that, that's exactly what you needed. He does, does bring that. I, I wonder about the balance because you know Andy Reid's typically a you know 60-40 kind of guy, pass run. But the last time that they played the Eagles, they put a a pretty strong emphasis on running the football. And and that's something that, you know, Andy Reid really likes to to put people off kilter. That's his strategy. I mean, he wants to make, you know, defensive coordinators uncomfortable. So he's going to do something out of expectations. Does that mean, hey, maybe he does come in here with a desire to to run the football a little bit more?
1: Maybe, but make no mistake, this game plan runs through Patrick Bahamas. And just on that, in terms of one of the, key strengths the the Chiefs have had is in Andy Reid and that scripted stuff, right? And he's so good at that and he's so good at at testing you and and finding out what you are going to to do on on defense, get you the looks, wants to test everything out, and then takes advantage of that over the course uh, of the next uh, kind of maybe um, three quarters of the game or thereabouts. Like, what, what do you think we might see? We saw, obviously, uh, the kind of rugby-esque move early on with the, the pass to Travis Kelsey that he kind of lateraled out and it was too low. I thought that was interesting. Um, I mean, we've seen maybe rugby moves all season in some ways in terms of those rolling balls. But um, in terms of, like, going up against this Eagles defense, what is Andy going to be looking to really test and see what what, uh, what they're doing early on?
2: Yeah, that's that's always intriguing. And, and, I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of the stuff that this group comes up with, a lot of it comes from Andy, but everybody has a piece of it. So they're consistently, you know, in a typical Chiefs practice, you know, there's those dead segments where the defense is working and the offense is supposed to have some time to take a breather, get some rest. And what do the skill guys do? They go over and they try and come up with some, you know, stuff that, you know, there's things on the fun. But you know, home's is trying to come up with some new passes that nobody has seen yet before. And eventually those things work themselves into the game plan. So yeah, you're going to see that. I mean, you're remember uh, against the 49ers, they ran the Rose Bowl parade. You know play they're they're and he's gonna have some of those things absolutely um but you know it, it's hard to predict because i couldn't have told you that they were gonna, i couldn't have told you that they were going to run the arctic circle where they you know run around <laughs> ring around the posy uh couldn't see that coming but they're gonna have some of those and you're absolutely right um the script is where you know any ridge stream and it has really been a strength this year. I thought, you know, watching the opening script against the Bengals, if, if uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't sprain his ankle, I mean, I, I think they put up 40 on him, you know, in that game. Against Jacksonville, I mean, particularly, they were strong, strong, hot in that game. That They were on a roll. So, I, yeah, I, I'm really intrigued. I mean, I, if the Chiefs don't get off to a hot start, that's where I think they could run into some problems.
0: Uh, Steve Spagnolo, I, I, I'd argue his greatest achievement as a coach, defensive coordinator, was in this stadium the 2008 Super Bowl Super Bowl 42 when the Giants beat the unbeaten Patriots I had to get that in uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to win this game tomorrow and he's like you touched on the offense and the collaborative approach in terms of the change of dynamic this season it's similar with the defense I mean I wouldn't say you've got three cornerbacks all rookie class you've got a safety rookie class Chris Jones has had a, another strong season it was evident in the, in the playoff game against the Bengals where the offensive line the Bengals really struggled to kind of Keep hold of them. You've, you've got the Greek God coming in with sacks as well. I think mean, the defense has really stepped up this over the course of the second half of the season as well.
2: It really has, and you know, and I think it took a while. It's similar to 2019 when it took about half a season before you know Spagnuolo really figured out what he had. It was his first year's coordinator, and really was figuring out the rotation and the mix that worked. Um, once they figured that out, things really clicked. This year it seemed to take longer, and you know, and part of that I think is absolutely the rookie class. I mean you got a lot of young guys you're trying to work in there and figuring out, you know, which one's the best, which ones fit the best spots. That takes some time. They had a couple of suspensions, too, with guys. So I think it took a little bit longer. I don't think it was really until maybe about week 12, week 13 that you really started to see this defense round into shape. And, you know, but I think that's also the advantage, too, is that to a degree, because right now, you know, Spagnuolo, some of the things he's doing defensively, there's not a lot of it on tape. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different than what they were doing earlier in the season. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've been playing better of late. They've been a little bit more unpredictable. And also, these guys now know the system well enough that Spagnuolo is, is more able to do the things he likes to do, which is some of the exotic blitzes and really throw different looks
1: and unscripted looks at some offenses. Everyone, you know, we talk about Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Chris Jones, and the others. What about the man with the most rings in the building tomorrow, Brendan Daly? He, cha- he changed position like four rings I and mean, is exactly. incredible it's like, a ring he's, magnet yeah exactly and, but he changed he, he moved away from um, a, a changed as a position coach this year that seems to be something he maybe decided himself he wanted a bit of a change went to Andy they talked about it talked to Steve and and that changed can you give us maybe some insights from your perspective about like how it came about and, and like how it has played out
2: yeah, and actually, it was a very fortuitous chain of events because you're right. You know, Brendan Daly wants to move up. He'd love to be a defensive coordinator. Um, he's been a defensive line coach for a long time. Hadn't gotten the opportunity yet. Um, branching out is a good way to improve your resume. So, yeah, he went to Andy and said, I'd really be interested in you know coaching linebackers. Spagnolo starts looking around and, you know, finds, you know, hey, Joe Kelly, Joe Coley, rather, is, and Colin is uh, interested in coming. And so now you're able to get a veteran defensive line coach like Colin, and able to get a you know a Brendan Daly who is you know really a tenacious you know defensive coach, and get him to be working with those young linebackers. Um, and they, that, that Daly's experience, I think, in working with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, has been a big part of both their developments this year.
0: Andy Reyes, tomorrow potentially winning his second Super Bowl. If it doesn't go that way, the right way, he's been in four Super Bowls and only won one. And we spoke briefly. In Radio Row yesterday, two elements one, the, the Patrick Mahomes factor that he's the MVP, and you could have touched on potentially trying to give him even more motivation to win the game. Colin touched on earlier around Sirianni's team talking the fact that people have been criticizing the Eagles and you play that up in the dress in the locker room. But Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, and we touched on the last time an MVP won a Super Bowl. Any more motivation for that in that particular? Would Andy Reid drive that? And, and Andy Reid, if he was to win tomorrow. Dynasty wars get thrown out loosely in the end of the times if teams look like they're going to go in the right direction, there's a winning Super Bowls. But four three Super Bowls in four years, if they win tomorrow, are we on the cusp of potential dynasty with the Chiefs?
2: Well, and then you throw in that you know there are two overtime losses from five straight Super Bowls. I mean, that's just how razor thin it is. And you're right. I mean, that's how razor thin it is between for legacies too. Um, it, hey, Andy, we will tell you, and he's been telling this team all week, it is not easy to get here. It's not easy to do this. And and that's been you know, something that has dogged him over the years. You know, and there's other great coaches. Kansas City had another one, Marty Schottenheimer. was a tremendous coach. You know, sometimes it's just not your time. Sometimes it's bad luck. Uh, you know, Andy would probably may very well have already had a second ring. He had his entire offensive line not broken down, and that came from Tampa Bay. Not having both your starting tackles doesn't give you much of a chance. So... Um, yeah, I, this is a big game. There's no doubt because I, I think it's a big game not only for Andy Reid and his legacy. Um, it's a big game for Patrick Mahomes. Never tell Patrick Mahomes he can't do something. You know, the fact that the last nine guys who have tried to win a Super Bowl and an MVP in the last season, a quarterback, have not done it, that, that only makes Patrick Mahomes want to go out and do it. So I, I think that's great motivation for him. I have no doubt that he didn't need it already, but throw that on top of the pile. But I also think about the other guys, too, because, you know, Kansas City won a Super Bowl at the very beginning, back in the 60s. They went to two of the first four Super Bowls. And I think there's eight guys from that those teams in the Hall of Fame. You win this game, but it's not just Mahomes and Kelsey going to the Hall of Fame. You know, Chris Jones is a candidate now. Maybe some of these young guys, you know, they get some rings. And Creed Humphrey, you know, these guys are Hall of Famers. There's going to be eight or nine guys from this team in gold jackets if they win,
1: I think, this game. When we talk about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they're – they're so magnanimous all the time at the podium, right? They're not guys who take shots at the opposition. They're not there. They're always very complimentary. Um, but this week, and Brian has alluded to it, you've seen the the them just the 49ers queue up to take shots. You have <laughs> seen the Cowboys queue up. You've seen the Giants queue up. I mean, and some of it, like Nick Sirianni, you know, is not really a head coach. Jalen Hurts is not really a QB. If you're Andy Reid, like who'd never engage in that sort of stuff, I mean, are you watching this just thinking, "Would you guys just shut up?" Like, you don't, you don't need to get. I mean, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes rightly, and telling him that like he can't do something gives him extra motivation. Telling the city of Philadelphia they can't do something—that's an entire city up in arms. Yeah,
2: I, I, I think you're probably right. I think Andy, every time he sees those clips, is probably rolling his eyes and it's just like, "No, don't give these guys any motivation whatsoever." And and he certainly knows the mentality of the the Philly fans and what drives them and everything. So. Uh, I, I I think you're right. I think he would prefer that. And that's and that's certainly the edict that went down from Andy with this team was there is no talking this week. You know, the, the Chiefs got in some trouble with that against the Bengals during the regular season. And some of the new guys got learned a lesson that week, which that, that's not the Chiefs' way. You don't do it that way. So I, I yeah, I think he would prefer it be a different story this week. And hey, you know, that's probably one of the reasons also why he's still on this team. Be complimentary, to these guys, you know,
0: fill their heads a little bit. Is there any X factor you see in the game tomorrow? I think of Kadarius Tony, he was such an enigma to the Giants before he was traded during the season. And I think it's a balance. People feel that the Giants got a good deal and he's obviously played reasonably well towards throughout the course of the time he's he's been here before injuries. But again, he seems to be fully fit and ready to go. And on his day, he is a fantastic player. He, he, we, we think of other Super Bowls and we kinda of get so hope with the quarterbacks and certain players and teams, and yeah, some players surprise us and has a really strong game. And not necessarily just be the MVP, but you look back and reflect on the Super Bowl and go, God, they were really a player we didn't see coming in that particular game. Is, who is the X Factor outside of Mahomes and Kelsey tomorrow?
2: You know, uh, uh, Tony is a great pick because he is absolutely some guy that you could see maybe getting four touches, but, you know, two of them are in space, and he, and he gets into the end zone a couple of times. Um, that's absolute. I'd put him up there. I, I'd put Jerick Kennan into that category, too, since he has been kind of the guy at the end of the season that when the Chiefs have had to go to, he— I think kind of maybe even poached uh, Travis Kelsey's touchdown numbers there at the end of the season because I think some of those would maybe normally go to Kelsey, but he's been such a great checkdown guy, and especially now that Mahomes is doing that a little bit more. Um, but he's another guy in space that can make guys miss. So I think those are, you know, you look past Mahomes and Kelsey and the big stars,
1: those are two guys I certainly would keep an eye on. And I suppose then in terms of special teams, right, um, Harrison is a guy who up to this year had been like having a really solid career, but then he gets injured. Um, maybe has, has missed a couple more, but at other times has come up big. Um, we saw obviously the return against the, the Bengals. So the Chiefs' special teams units are really generally pretty top notch. Say so, that uh, somebody who gets to see it up close in the division all the time, but on the other end of it, um, you know, how important are special teams going to factor in tomorrow?
2: Yeah, it's huge. And, you know, you're right. I mean, uh, Harrison Becker hasn't had the season he's accustomed to. Um, entering that ankle in week one has absolutely been a part of it. Um, he still doesn't feel 100%. He's still wrapping that ankle to keep it straight and firm. It was on this field that he hurt himself. So, you know, you wonder if there's going to be any of that residual in there about that for him. Um, the positives for him going to be indoors. And, you know, in the last few months, the ball has not been carrying in Kansas City in that cold weather. So I think he's probably going to be looking forward to the opportunity to you know, test his leg. And he's always said, hey, indoors, and, and Dave told the same thing, you know, 70, 75 is certainly his range. Uh, I think that would probably be pushing it right now, but there's no doubt. I mean, he can boot it. Tommy Towns and Pro Bowler. The X Factor for the Chiefs have been on special teams they're young. With all these rookies on a typical, you know, one of their phase teams, you know, you're talking about five or six rookies out there, and they've shown at times. Once again, the rookies have been growing up. They've been playing better of late. So not giving up big plays, not making mistakes on special teams is going to be big.
0: Matt, you said you're not going home till Tuesday. So come on the after you finished off all your work in terms of the article's reflecting on the game. Will you be enjoying a Monday or will you be reflecting on a defeat in the Super Bowl? What is the uh, Matt Derrick pick for this game and where well, is it going to play him?
2: Yeah, I've, I, my, my prediction would, would say that I'm going to be busy Monday morning <laughs> because probably be the stadium until 2 o'clock before we get kicked out and then um, have to be at 8.30 for the, the press conference for the MVP and everything. So uh, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. Um, I've got them winning 31-27. Um, Mahomes would likely be the MVP in a scenario like that, but you never know. This is, I think it's going to be a great game. Matt, appreciate you
0: coming on. Always great to have you on the show throughout the course of
2: the three seasons we've been doing this show and to have you here today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely blast. I'll be here anytime.
0: Jordan Schultz, charismatic character. I met up him yesterday in the radio, in radio row. He gave us a few minutes. He came on the show last August. He said he'd see us at the Super Bowl when well, he did. He gave us a couple minutes yesterday. NFL inside it from the score. Here's a. Here's our entertaining few minutes with Jordan yesterday. Welcome back into Radio Row, Irish NFL show on tour, and I'm here with Jordan Schultz from the Score NFL Insider. Jordan was on the show last August before this season starts. Right. Not sure we got a pick for me at the time.
4: Just see as... right now. No, a bit later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a team pick for the
4: Super oh, Bowl pick? last August. Um, at the time. I probably would have said the the Lions. No. Um... <laughs> I do like I do like Kansas City twenty seven twenty three. That's my that's my last pick.
0: And what was the, what was the season preview?
4: Oh, preview. Uh, I, I feel like it was. It might have been Bills Packers or something. Something really bad. It does
0: sound familiar from when you were on something, the
4: show? Something something not good. We don't need to talk about that.
0: But <laughs> well, look, we are here in Major yeah. Your And um, myself and Colin on uh, we were discussing yesterday. Haven't been in LA, LA last year at Your Own. So the enormity of this year compared to last year. Like this is a real feeling back to normal, the Super Bowl, come back with a bang, I mean, yeah. the craziness of that is Radio Road, we were trying to explain it this morning on our podcast to people back home,
4: How crazy it's hard is. to
0: explain It is how huge it is.
4: Well, this is also my first experience covering the Super Bowl, so I, this feels about right, um, I, I'm overwhelmed by it, and I've seen a lot, I, this, this is a lot for me to handle, the fake Andy Reid, every news booth, every station, it's got to be four or five hundred stations here and it's it's a lot but i will say that it, it does feel good that the super bowl feels that that good, that big you know
0: were you surprised by the amount of people that were cut out by the fake Andy tonight?
4: oh no was that is <laughs> that oh, there there's a few there's a few you know what i was thinking about doing was trying to go over to fan fest and and ask fans about um like really bad predictions i don't know i was thinking the fans are insane here is the, if you're committed enough to to get a fan credential and come here and you're and one of your t- teams, is, your team is not playing in the Super Bowl, you got a problem. But well, we as <laughs> in a good way, you're really passionate.
0: We were discussing the amount of Eagles fans that will be in town over the course of the weekend. Yeah. It's one of the most passionate fan bases in the league. Chiefs have a great, a great following. Like you can sense as the days of building up the game, the kind of atmosphere and the vibe in the town is fantastic.
4: It is, and everyone, the I feel like the Chiefs Eagles, you have two amazing fan bases, and the energy is. Insane. I I think by tomorrow it's gonna to be like lights out and but I do also think that uh, they were saying to me two years ago or last year even the COVID it was super slow and it felt there wasn't a lot of juice and this is the first time in the last few years where it's really felt it and but somebody did tell me that this was has come twenty five years that this is sixty percent of what it was like six years ago or five years ago. So now I feel like maybe this isn't even a full-on Super Bowl. No, it, it is. It is really good. I feel like Irish Irish fans appreciate that because they have like Celtic and Rangers, so they know. Oh, you know your I, right? I know. I know. I know the Celtic and Rangers. The yeah. old
0: firm derby. Yeah. Um, well, there's a team in green in the final. Maybe that's half yeah. the battle. And last year in L.A., there were so many Bengals fans, Houday Nation, but the Rams fans were either at home mm-hmm. or there isn't many Rams fans out there. Because, But this year, obviously, two teams, two sets of fans in the town. Every hotel is full of them. And there's a golf tournament down as well.
4: Golf tournament insane. Irish fans may not know how big Waste Management Open is, but it is truly ridiculous. I'm actually not going because it's too much for me. Um, L.A. fans, yeah, I mean, the, the Rams fans are not known to be, let's say, the same level as an Eagle fan. Yeah. But uh, Arizona, I was here ten years ago when the Seahawks lost to the Pats. Yeah. And I was a fan. Then. I was really a Seahawks fan, and I swore I'd never come back for a Super Bowl. <laughs> and yet, here yeah, here I am.
0: Well, as a Giants fan, I've got great memories of. Of course, Pats I've beating the Patriots. Oh nine. Oh eight.
4: Oh eight. Yeah, 0-8. 0-8. Yeah. Super Bowl forty-two. Right. Should remember, John. I know. I, I get, I'm not good with those numbers. I'm good <laughs> with stats, but not. Yeah. Just interesting this week, like the
0: Eagles, not that they need any extra motivation going into this yeah. game, but there's been a lot of talk from teams not here. 49ers have made mm-hmm. some comments around the fact that mm-hmm. they feel this team really yeah. shouldn't be here. The Giants players mm-hmm. last week obviously called out Sirianni in terms of mm-hmm. his behaviour yeah. in the divisional rounds. The Eagles are obviously had a, such a great season and they're going into this, we get yeah, people from the outside as if. They're giving any, they need any extra motivation. No. I'm sure the head coach just goes in and says, Look at all this noise from outso- outdoors. I, I think
4: in the Super Bowl, you don't need that. Yeah. You, you don't need that level. You're already so locked. And I think that this, the, the cult, yeah, Philly, I know they got, they got lucky that Rock Purdy got hurt. But I do that because they have had a ton of injuries. Jalen Hurts' shoulder has been okay. that stuff. Um, they've had Lane Johnson. So Philly is an aw- awesome team. I mean, that is a complete team their favorite and so I was talking with Scott he was like if you beat the Eagles you you got to beat them because they are really physical and they will not be themselves and that's that's fair.
0: On the Chiefs just the third Super Bowl in four Me. years oh, Andy Reid has only true. ever won one in terms mm-hmm. of you know the, the win a few years ago in the Super Bowl against the 49ers he's lost one when he was the Eagles head coach is the added pressure on the Chiefs bear, bear in mind they've been so successful and so consistent over the past five years they've made the Super Bowls if they were to lose this Andy Reid is kind of, that situation, well, it has been through a lot of circles, yeah. they've only won one.
4: Yeah, well, he always, it was always couldn't get over the hump, then he did, and now that he has, if they want another one, two in five or six years, then I think, now you're looking at Mahomes, and Reed as the new age, Belichick and Brady, I mean, that's, that's what people would say, there's, I don't put any added pressure on him, oh, he's only won one, but I think, they have a lot to gain from winning a second one. Then you be starting to talk dynasty. In the new age, if you win two in five or six years, that's a mini dynasty. Because that, let me see the parody of the year. So, uh, let me, there, I, I think I'm, I'm gonna miss my slot. Okay. But, but no, but we can finish if you, I, mean, I know your schedule.
0: Get to the Irish NFL show from Glendale, Arizona. the Site of Super Bowl 57 tomorrow. Just over 24 hours away. The bulls over the past few days we spoke about radio well, radio but even the sense of last night going out for dinner a lot more eagles fans in town a lot more chiefs you could kind of get the sense as the week is building up you see all the fans arriving there's a great atmosphere in the town last night
1: yeah definitely look i mean you get to friday a lot of people have to finish out the work week before they get to fly down here for for the game but yeah it was definitely beginning to to build last night what you will see uh this time of year for the super bowl is you'll see like eagles and Chiefs jerseys from every vintage. Uh, so you, you got the, some obviously, plenty of Patrick Mahomes there, plenty of Jalen Hurts, uh, but I saw Eagles uh, shirts from the 90s, from the 80s, the same for the Chiefs. The NFL experience, you you popped along yesterday. I was too
0: busy uploading stuff, but uh, I didn't get an opportunity to agree with you. That last year was a fantastic event. And you touched on Chiefs and Eagles, but it's great as well as that to see so many fans from all the various different teams in town for the game. may not, may not necessarily be going to the game, we're we'll certainly be packing the bars to watch the game t- tomorrow.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, fair play. The the NFL put on a quite a quite a show. The experience is re- is really great, and they do a lot um, even before it opens to the the public. So there was a whole host of kind of kids from around the area who came in to to the experience during the week, um, and the NFL uh, shop was just massive. It was like uh, Stevens Green if it was entirely filled uh, with with NFL gear. Stevens Green. Someone texted me yesterday, asked what radio Row is like. I said. It's the equivalent of going to
0: Cheltenham in March, except instead of people spending money, they're talking about NFL. Whilst there is a lot of betting podcasts going on, so many so many speaking about the game and giving their mixed opinions on the game. Time to get into the NFC East champions, the NFC, NFC champions, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, a team I have so much passion and love for as a New York Giants fan. Look, they've been a standout team all year, and uh, I think... Towards the end of the season, people were kind of going, oh, there's this question marks of this team going into the playoffs? Because Jalen Hurts was out injured, they lost to the Saints, they lost to the Cowboys in a high-scoring game. And people felt maybe the wheels were coming off. But in re- reality, when you reflect on those games, essentially, when they needed to get things done in, in Week 18 against the Giants, albeit the Giants put out a mixed team, You know, couldn't kind of play better than what the-, the playoff game kind of played about. They were always the number one seed. They were always the best team throughout the course of the season in the nfc so it it probably doesn't come as a surprise that they had two comfortable wins albeit the brock party injury situation they make you here to play the game tomorrow
1: yeah they can't control uh, the brock party injury situation i mean to me the the fact that hertz went out and and they struggled is a testament to hertz as a qb right because Lots of people said, oh, Hurts, uh, you know, you can put anyone in a QB. Gardner is going to come in. He's going to run that. He's actually better at throwing the ball than Jalen Hurts. Well, you we saw what happened when Jalen Hurts was out. Um, Jalen Hurts is back in. I think Jalen Hurts's ability and his leadership are huge factors for, for this team. I think this is a 53-man roster who all contribute. I think Howie, and we, we talked about that. We talked about Jeff Laurie and Howie and Siriani and Hertz. I mean, they are in lockstep. They, they go out there, they, they really play as, as a team. And it's very difficult to find a weakness, a true weakness across this entire roster. That is why they are the uh, NFC champions. That's why they have been uh, the best team in the NFC, probably across the the league for the entirety of of the season. They are fantastic uh, from the QB, the O-line, the receivers, the running backs, the D-line, the safeties. I mean... Pick, you got to pick your poison no matter which way you try to defend this team or which way you try to attack the team well the poison i'm, I'm going to pick for us is the running backs matt Derrick
0: talked about running back by committee in which the approach in which the chiefs are taking the season i'm not sure if it's the same dynamic because if you look at the numbers over the course of the season it probably doesn't reflect that sanders had in the region of 1247 going into the playoffs 12 touchdowns game well has had really strong games he had a strong game in, in the championship game Boston Scott is a bit of an enigma because he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. You know, he's had 20 touchdowns in his career now, and 11 of those have come against the Giants. He's the Giants' killer. But again, two playoff games, two touchdowns, game well played really well and was effective in the championship game. I mean, they've got players across this This running back situation where if it isn't Sanders tomorrow, you could still rely on those two guys to get it done as well.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, it is like, as you said, Sanders was the bell cow for this team for the the, the regular season. But then they came into the, the playoffs and they've actually kind of been able to lean on the others, right? And that's because against the Giants, they were able to move the ball freely. And against the 49ers, um, they were going up way. They, they had, they just decided to run the ball because they, they could. um, And, what makes them so good is the O-line. I mean, realistically, that is that that's the key to this running game, um, is the fact that the O-line is so good. And the you you have in, in Jason Kelsey and in Lane Johnson, um, you have the two kind of key pieces. And obviously, Lane Johnson is playing Hurt. Um, this is a guy who who's um, growing appears to be in pieces. And you saw Nick Bosa in that championship game very early on, decide he was gonna try to to, to, to test him. Um, but and he got he won once that was it for the rest of the game yeah lane johnson stood up and what i suppose when the eagles line up you don't know what they are going to do because the line can do whatever it wants yeah they can pass the ball yeah they can run it or hurts can take off but the, the line is so key and they are so good about getting their line going down the field to act as blockers so whether that is jason kelsey whether that that is jordan myalada um, they, you know, who's, who's a guy who, you know, hadn't, hadn't even heard of football, um, you know, uh, back in uh, 2018. And, and, and here he is in, in a Super Bowl. But to me, it, it's the key complementary piece. You're not talking about like a Saquon Barkley who uh, can just take the ball and take off. Um, obviously, Miles Sanders is incredibly talented, but it, it's the way in which it all works together. Uh, the line gets them going and then Sanders is able to exploit the, uh, the gaps that the line opens up. When you're talking about players taking off and was he's the quarterback, Jalen Hortz
0: is arguably one the top running back essentially because he's a he's such a dual threat. And in the two playoff games he didn't necessarily have to run because the games were, were comfortable. You touched on there that they were able to hand it off in the second half against the 49ers and run, essentially try to run the clock down. We saw throughout the, the, the earlier starts of the season, his numbers were off the charts. I mean, there was one game against the Packers on I think it was Sunday night football, where he ran for something in the region of hundred and seventy yards. He ran in two touchdowns. I mean that's running back type of stuff. But yet, towards the second part of the season, as the season evolved, he wasn't running as much as we saw. Do you see a scenario tomorrow where they couldn't go back to what was working so well? Like, over the course of the season, everything has worked so well. But early on in the season, it was such a key part of this offense.
1: Well, I think they'll probably see what the the Chiefs' defense is going to give them. I think that's the beauty of the, the Eagles is if the the Chiefs are going to play the run really tough, they can throw the ball. If the Chiefs are going to allow, allow time for Hurts to escape the pocket, he can take off. Um, look, I'm the I've been the conductor of the Jalen Hurts hype train uh, ever since he came into to the league. I'm a massive fan of him um, in terms of his ability, in terms of his leadership, uh, and yeah, if you. If you leave any gaps, he will take off. He will take advantage of those. But that's what I think is so intriguing in this because you're you're, you're not looking at it going, oh, they're definitely going to lean into the run or they're definitely going to lean into the pass. It is the fact that they're able to do so many different things and that's why they're so difficult to defend. So yeah, teams responded um, during the year in terms of, okay, we, we're not going to let Hurts run and then we're going to focus on that. And then all of a sudden he's throwing the ball or they're having Sanders run. I mean, I go back to, Vic Fangio, right, is probably the archetype or the um, the 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 grandfather, um, the 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 Don, the 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 engineer behind what we see in the league right now in terms of defense, the cover two that everyone is playing. Big fan. The Eagles came in last year. You talked about Sirianni under pressure. The Eagles came in. There are all sorts of questions around Hertz and Sirianni, and Vic Fangio with his defense dare Jalen Hurts to beat him through the air with his arm. And Jalen Hurts went out and, and he did just that. And the Eagles haven't looked back since. So I don't think the, the Chiefs can say, OK, as long as we prevent uh, you know Hurts from breaking out or we ha- if we're, as long as we stop the Eagles from running the ball, Hurts uh, can't throw it. He can, and he has, and he will. So last off season when we kind of broke down when the, the wildcard game, which they lost to the Bucs,
0: we kind of got into a bit of back and forth around his arm strength and his accuracy and whether he was a good enough thrower. I challenge, you're right, you commended him, you were very high on him, me and Mark were kind of challenging, you know, whether really he was a long-term answer, and you touched on the fact that teams have schemed to make sure he can't run against them, but when you've got players, and don't get me wrong, he is a fantastic quarterback, and his, his strong strength and his accuracy this season, Devontae Adams, first round pick 2022 draft, uh, other teams wanted him, Eagles traded up the Cowboys, got the deal done, got him, it was unusual to see a trade within the division on draft night, but... You know, you, they wanted to get a marquee wide receiver. Last off offseason, they complement that with another draft night, you know, situation. They make the deal to get A.J. Brown, and he's been quite vocal at times during the season, that he really wants the ball more than he gets it, which is you t- you touched on a few weeks ago. That's good to see. He wants more. He's hungry. He has the desire to have the ball. He's got some great, great wide receivers, and we spoke to Matt about the secondary of the of the Chiefs and rookies, and there's three rookies that are going to rotate. Been they in for a tough day tomorrow if they can't hold this offence up.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, look, that, that what you need to do with a young QB is you put weapons around them. If you're a good team, that's what you go out and do. The Dolphins did that for, for Tua. The Bills obviously did that for, for Josh Allen, and the Eagles have done that for, for Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got two WR1s, right? A.J. Brown has come in. He set a franchise record this season, um, but he's had he's been quite in the playoffs because they haven't had to throw the ball. Like any true uh, WR1, He's a proper diva. He wants the ball. He's gonna throw the toys out of the pram a little bit when he doesn't uh, get them, but he doesn't he doesn't over egg it. He just kind of, you know, always kind of oh, me, I I could do it. If I had the ball, I'm happy to win. But if I had the ball, I would have done this. That's what you expect from a W war one. Um, they have two, and that's the that's what makes them so difficult. The other piece is in Dallas Goddard, they they have an unbelievably good tight end who who kind of flies under the radar, right? Travis Kelsey's got all the attention in terms of tight end. And um, the Eagles have various different options. They also have the, the, all of their backs can act as pass catchers in, in many ways. So, again, there are escape routes, right? Jalen can kind of just lay it off um, if nothing is on. But, yeah, I, I think the, the one of the key, key battles tomorrow will be those Eagles wide receivers against the rookie secondary of the Chiefs. I love you that you called out Dallas Garner. He got injured kind of in the middle part
0: of the season, and he went off for four to five weeks. Had an operation, came back and was really effective in the playoffs. Fantastic tight end. You're right, he doesn't get uh, the kudos because of all the other players around, but he's a significant player. Bear in mind how strong Travis Kelsey is, but yet yeah, you look at the numbers which got it. has had, over the course of course, it's been really good. Just we'll flip it to the defense. And again, where, where are the flaws on this defense? Because going into the season, we spoke and again, you picked them to go to the Super Bowl. They brought in James Bradbury for the Giants to kind of. Security the secondary because Slay came in as a trade for the Lions, and again, he had some question marks. James Bradbury came in because of a cap hit situation. So, I think if the Giants had it, you know, back to, they would have done their utmost to keep him. There was never any argument as to why they were picking him up. He was a standout cornerback, great with the Panthers, great with the Giants cap situation. The, the way they play together over the course of the season, and it's not just a case of sticking one on one side, it's transferable. They go over to each side, they take on different players, it'll be the same tomorrow. They have really gelled so quickly at a very early early stage of the start of the season.
1: Yeah, like the entire secondary, right? You rightly call out the, the cornerbacks and those guys have some of the best numbers in the league. Opposing QBs, do not like to throw against them and um, but you got again how, how do you do you got to pick your poison but they communicate so well with the safeties as well right those guys drop in drop out coverage they give you incredible looks um they are so difficult and there was a lot of um i suppose questions about the Eagles defense last year it was very vanilla they don't do this you can't say that this year um they they've been really difficult to play against and the fact that their secondary is so good is what gives you know, the extra impetus to their D-line to go after them. So, yeah, I mean, that will be an interesting battle tomorrow because they are facing, they will face the best QB in the league, you know, the best QB they've faced all season. That will be a challenge, but it will also be a challenge, I think, for for Patrick Mahomes and for the the Chiefs wide receivers because the Eagles are so good in coverage. Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick,
0: Brandon Graham, Sweat. The list is endless, 70 sacks over the course of the regular season, five sacks in the game against the Giants, which put them into kind of NFL records in terms, I think it was the like second or third best over the course of a season and you know, in terms of NFL history. Like the, you touched on it with Matt, like the chief offensive line, once it's been so good and it's really helped Mahomes in that, that Bengals game.
1: It's going to be a true test tomorrow because it's such a collaborative approach. Yeah, I mean, like that the, you listed out the names and they're all impressive, but like Hargrave and Sue yeah, are the yeah. other names who you don't even get, get a mention it's incre- like the depth. I mean, what a job how he has done. And this this was the last time the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It was very similar. Like you, you build up the D-line and they you, it's just relentless. And it's really difficult because the, you, you, you can swap out D-line guys, but you don't swap out O-line guys, right? You want the O-line guy to be as solid as possible. You don't make changes. You want them to play consistently. But the D-line guys can come in and rotate. And that's where the Eagles are so good at wearing you down because they have the experience. They have the, the toughness, the nastiness. They're in your face constantly. They're, they're chirping at you. They're letting you know they're there. Every single play matters. Every single play counts. There is no uh, downtime. There is no break. Uh, you heard Matt, Matt say it. That's what has made them so good. And you've seen it as games have gone on. Even the 49ers found that. Um, game goes on, you think you're, you're in it. Oh, we're, 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 we're holding good at halftime. All of a sudden, you get into the third, you get into the fourth quarter. And that's what is going to be so interesting to me. Because a lot of the time, that's where Patrick Mahomes comes alive, is that fourth quarter, right? The 49ers held them quiet for about 50, probably three minutes. And all of a sudden, Patrick Holmes came alive and the, the Chiefs won the, the Super Bowl. But I think this Eagles team, to me, especially on the defensive side, are better than that 49ers team were. And that's what it makes such a key battle tomorrow. We were reflecting on all legacy Super
0: Bowls, you know, and in particularly around the Broncos. And the beatdown they got in one Super Bowl against Washington. We're going back quite some time. And Doug Williams threw; I think it was five touchdowns in one quarter. But I was thinking of the, the 49ers who... I just touched on their potentially nearly made a Super Bowl. And they played the Chiefs earlier in the season. And they they held the Chiefs down for two and a half hours. And then in the space of six or seven minutes, the Chiefs went off and, and scored four touchdowns. We, we look at this offense for the Chiefs, and they're going against the Eagles defense. I'm struggling to find games this season where this Eagles defense has struggled. When they struggled against Washington on the Monday Night Football, it was a shock when they lost their first game of the season. And immediately it was a case of, do we have enough players to make sure we're in a position that come to the playoffs, if there is injuries. They bring in Sue, they bring in Joseph. It's so stacked. And the rotation tomorrow is going to be significant. I'm not sure the Chiefs can rotate in the same measure. Do you, where, I'm sure, they haven't had a test like this this season. Like, are we going to see a situation tomorrow where they're going to go, oh, that Eagles defense is really good, but this is the fourth real, real test they've had. This is how can they handle it? How can they scheme against Mahomes?
1: I have no doubt that will be a talking point coming up uh, to tomorrow. And, and they won't have faced anybody like Patrick Mahomes because there isn't another Patrick Mahomes in the league right now. Okay. He is head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, but I will keep going back to I don't believe the uh, Chiefs will have faced anybody with the in, veracity, the intensity, and the depth that the Eagles are going to bring to the D-line. You have got to go out there. Every single snap is a battle. Every single time, you have got to win because it's not just com- the pressure isn't just coming from the edges it's coming from the interior and they, they they're very clever in terms of what they they do if you watch that championship game against the 49ers I mean the O-line and the D-line like they're, the knowledge the, that they have is, is so interchangeable You talked about Fletcher Cox You talked about Jason Kelsey we talked about Lane Johnson and they're bringing the young guys through okay they've got Jordan Davis they've got Cam Juergens uh, you know so they've been very smart about bringing through a young crop of players as well but that to me is not that's what is intriguing about the Super Bowl right and you heard like Matt talk earlier about uh, Andy Reid has been there how it's so often been a coin flip because it is the best two teams and they're going to try to test each other they're going to look where are the weaknesses and you you poke and prod Um, very rarely is it um, my Broncos have probably been the, the, the you know the most kind of heaviest defeats it's not often that you see that in the Super Bowl, right? The majority of the time in the Super Bowl, it is a one-score game, and I think that's what we're going to see here tomorrow as well. Yeah, I was here
0: to phrase throughout the course of seeing coaching matters, and we've seen it this season with teams having new coaches and how quickly things can turn around, even lesser players. Like Sirianni in his fourth Super Bowl tomorrow, going up against Andy Reid, one of the best. I was thinking back this week, trying to come up with a similar scenario, and I could only think of... Sean McVeigh in his super Bowl first super Bowl for the Rams and was they weren't blown out in that game against the Patriots. It was very evident after the game that Belichick had his number. McVeigh went away, licked his wounds, came back, won a Super Bowl last year. He learned from that difficult game, obviously he moved up from Turka. Like it's gonna be such an intriguing battle to see how these scheme against each other tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I know absolutely, but I think what maybe um they have in Sirianni that um they, that McVeigh didn't have, especially on the offensive side of things, is um, Siriani's willingness to hand off play-calling duties last year, right, which I think was a testament to him and was a testament to his leadership, and his willingness to to, to recognise, I can't do all things. And I think that is really, really important. And I think that's where he's got two great coordinators. McVay had it with, with Wade Phillips. I mean, the Rams' defence was lights out in that, but he had nobody else to, to lean on. So Nick Sirianni does not have to worry about the play-calling tomorrow. The other thing about Sirianni, Nina Kimes touched on, He has been his own man as a head coach since he took over, right? He has been aggressive. He has gone for it, um, but he has been really, really smart about going for it. It will be an intriguing battle, right? Because 24 years versus two years, um, Sirianni, he's gruff. He's in your face. um, He's got no shortage of opinions on Nick Sirianni. Andy Reid, very different, um, passionate man, obviously very, very smart, very talented, but you would have to say very different approaches between the two head coaches.
0: We're going to come back shortly and give our picks for the Super Bowl. I have a feeling I know where Collins' pick is going already. And I actually haven't seen the graphics for the, the picks, but I have a, I have a funny feeling I know where it's going. Steve Levy will be commentating on the game tomorrow as part of the ESPN crew for Australia and New Zealand. So Fox Sports will have the game here and across the world, but there's a demographic in Australia and New Zealand. which will be watching the game on Monday morning. I think it was Sydney time. It was half, half 10. ten in the morning kickoff. We caught up with steve in radio road during the week colin had a good fortune to speak to him about his time during the nfl his time doing during the nhl and obviously the fact that he's commentating on the game for australia and new zealand a really good interview
2: coming up now
1: welcome in to the irish nfl show We are live and in person from Arizona as we build up to Super Bowl 57. Delighted to be joined by the man who will be anchoring ESPN Sports Centre for Super Bowl 57, Steve Levy, how are you doing sir? I'm good, thanks for having me on, nice to see you. Well, delighted that you can take the time to join us. And we always ask our guests, right, have you any Irish heritage? Have you ever been to Ireland? Is there a desire to come and visit the little green island?
5: All my best friends are all Irish. In fact, they sort of adopted me. Uh, I got to live in Boston for 20 years. And uh, so you know about the Irish heritage in the city of Boston. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I feel like I've been adopted uh, by my Irish family there. I did get to Ireland once. Uh, went with the little family trip. I was much younger. But I'm not a golfer. And all the boys, they always want to go over and play golf. It's just not my thing. I'm each in the bar and pub afterwards. There you go. <laughs> but just not never bitten by the golf ball
1: well you could probably do maybe do 18 bars they do 18 holes <laughs> right. you could do 18 bars. that might that might work now one of the things you're going to be doing this weekend is you're going to be calling the game yeah um, i think with lewis and with dan olavski yes. for australia and new zealand yeah uh, in ireland right we we got a big time difference right yeah. the game's going to kick off at what we would say half four 4:30 yeah, four thirty 30 arizona time yeah, okay it's going to be half 11 back home in dublin right but for uh, in australia and sydney it's going to be yeah. half 10 in the morning right like do you hear from fans like what's that experience like for them to watch the super bowl on a monday morning
5: so it, it definitely impacts how we broadcast the show instead of you know good evening it's we say good morning <laughs> you know like that kind of thing not good day i'm never going there okay not gonna be that guy um so it does impact us and you know, it talks about, like, what are you eating or drinking? It's more breakfast food than probably not having a hot dog at 10 in the morning, you know? Or maybe you are. But uh, so just by that, in the beginning, in the open, maybe we'll make a reference to it's You know, it's Monday morning. Because in our brains, it's so entrenched that it's Super Bowl Sunday. Right? Mm-hmm. And now it's Super Bowl Monday for those watching us. But but really, after the opening kickoff, it's, it's, a, it's a big football game. And sort of that's how we treat
2: it.
1: And I suppose on the international side of things, Steve. Like we heard, you know, we, we're seeing the game growing. Uh, Henry Hodgson just walked past us, the GM of NFL UK, one yeah. of the guys responsible for yeah. helping to grow the game internationally. We heard uh, the commissioner talk about there's probably going to be more games in Germany. Yeah. We know, realistically, I think undoubtedly Madrid is going to get a game at some point. Paris is going to get a game. We want to see Dublin get a game. Yeah. Krog Park. Um, you, obviously, with the, the Australia and New Zealand, you're probably aware of how big the game is globally. People seem to have been surprised by the reaction in Germany. Like, Germany was so huge, and I know you called one of the London games. <laughs> right. like, what What are your thoughts on the NFL's global expansion?
5: I, I thought, Colin, you were going in a different direction because you said they're hoping to get a game. I, I think there are countries and cities hoping to get a team. Like, you know, there, there was talk this past year when we were in London Um that London could probably support two NFL teams. The interest is there. Right, the interest is there. Uh, the stadiums are there as well. So the infrastructure, and really the biggest concern is the logistics, you know, other teams, opponents traveling. So if you have two already there, that could make it, you know, a two-game road trip, make things much easier. So listen, I, I think that is the future. Uh, the NFL is is so big, is already so global. Um, I don't know if it's 10 years away, but it's probably not much more from it from there being international team, uh, singular and maybe plural even. Uh, the NFL can't be stopped. It's it's a runaway train, and if there's money to be made, and there is, uh, they're going to find a way to make this work. I think so, international.
1: Now, one of the interesting things is obviously you cover hockey as well. Yeah. And it, playoff hockey and the Stanley Cup. It's yeah. a se- seven-game series. In the NFL, it's winner go home, right? right? Um, What, like, you know, I suppose that's obviously for us. We're probably a little more used to that, like, you know, from our sports back home. Yeah. For for you covering it, like, how different it is when you are talking to players or coaches, and like, maybe they're two down in the series and they're trying to come back, whereas they're they're down at halftime. They got thirty minutes to turn this thing around.
5: A lot more pressure, uh, less forgiving, obviously. But think about it. So you just had a seven game series. You know, the NBA and the NHL, it's four seven-game series. If you're the top seed in the NFL in either conference, you only need to win two games to get to the Super Bowl. That's two good days if you can get that one seed. And uh, and you're only playing three games in a five-week span because you have the extra, the extra weeks built in there, the Pro Bowl and get the bye week and all that. So uh, it's a massive difference. I think the NHL and NBA, the way they do it, it's, a, it's sort of a truer test. When you play more games, that's the truer test. You can have a bad game in the NFL, and you're done, and it, it costs you. So that's where the pressure really ramps up. It's one 60-minute performance, uh, so unforgiving if you make a mistake. And, and like in every other football game in history, turnovers will be the key. But the NHL, you know, we've seen teams recently even go down 3-0 even. In the past, that never happened before. And now that's a possibility too so uh it's obviously the kind of pressure you couldn't play seven nfl games you couldn't have a series in the nfl because of the the physical beating the guys would take and the preparation it's just impossible so uh, i kind of like the way the sports are different that in that regard um very entertaining both
1: yeah absolutely and i mean that pressure look we're gonna see like patrick mahomes take to the field again the Eagles—it's a different sort of, sort of like team than they obviously were with the last and different coach. Yeah. But the talk this week, is was has been about it's the best quarterback going up against the best team. Right. Um. You know, what what way do you seeing see it playing out on Sunday? So, you know,
5: I—I'm not sure it's the best team, by the way. So, oh, now, yeah. Of, of these two, I think the Eagles are the better team. Uh, but I think San Francisco, if they didn't have to play their fifth quarterback, fifth. McCaffrey was the fifth quarterback uh, i think they could have won that game i think they have the playmakers and the defense as well
2: so uh again <laughs> that was a good <laughs> that timing <laughs> didn't go off okay <laughs> anyway it's time for the
0: picks
1: column Super Bowl 57 picks time you're up first uh look i, I i'm not gonna hide it i i I've been on them all year. I, I think they have the the best team, the the best roster. For me, I believe the Eagles are going to win. I could absolutely end up with egg on my face because Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are that good, and uh, they are that they're that talented. But I believe, and I have seen um, all too often, uh, that the, the the best defense tends to beat the the best offense. Um, I've been on the the receiving end of that more than once. So for me. I'm going to say that uh, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni and the City of Philadelphia will be celebrating the fact that the Eagles are going to hoist the Lombardi trophy and uh, that Donna Kelsey is going to be uh, commiserating with her son Travis uh, after tomorrow night. Any ideas where i uh, <laughs> I can guess.
0: I was disappointed when the when the Chiefs didn't win a few years ago because was. <laughs> there goes the car, lamb. someone knows my pick is coming in and <laughs> um, I look Tom Brady's won seven Super Bowls and as much as we could have Joe with Mark who's at home watching the show tonight around the dynasty seeing the pages, you can't, you can't do nothing but put your hands up and quarterbacks of the caliber of Mahomes come along and you really want personally, I'd like to see them win Super Bowls because they're deserving of the quality in which they put on the field and the quality in which fans of the NFL get to watch at home. Like the Chiefs are a joy to watch at times offensively. And whilst it's been very different this season, uh, it's been touched on my mat. The offense has still been explosive when it's needed to be. And I'm leaning on the scenario where I don't think they've been tested to this extent this season defensively for the Eagles. They are going to go up against a different piece tomorrow. And despite all the injury concerns around Mahomes, I think he finds a way to win. I was thinking of that play against the Bengals where essentially he really couldn't run, but he found a way to get it done. Okay, the 15 yards. But that's what Patrick Mahomes done. He puts his team on his shoulders. And I think come the fourth quarter tomorrow in a tight game, I think Patrick Mahomes will find a way to win. I think the Eagles will play really well. I think they'll put up points as well. I think we might be able to win the best footballs we've seen in, in years with the two number one seeds. And I think it could play out similar to the last one, which Eagles won in terms of his high score and came down to the end. But I think the Chiefs come out the right side of it. I'll go 21 26 Chiefs win. Andy Reid gets a second. And this dynasty talk only hypes up even more going into the offseason. Mark Hockwell is up next. Marcus, let's see what Mark has to say. Eagles.
1: Mark's going to the Eagles. Happy to see Mark has joined me on the, the Eagles hype train. He was very, very skeptical of Jalen Hurts just a few years ago. Glad he has seen the life.
0: Yeah, okay. Or he doesn't want the Chiefs to be in one or the other. But look, the other favorites. Christina's up next. Christina, where do we go? She oh, it's a balance. Two and two. Christina picks the Chiefs. So she must be coming out. She just... As a Patriots fan, she's picking the Chiefs. Interesting. That is the four picks, and then obviously points bet who have been a great part of us throughout the course of the season. We did a great show in terms of the uh, championship weekend in their in their after head offs in Dublin. We met some of the points bet guys on tours in Radio Row. They're very receptive to meet us on the ground. It was great to have a chat with them. We really thank them for their support throughout the course of the season. I'm not saying it's their pick, but they've given us that the Eagles are one and a half point favorites going into this game. If you are betting, PointsBet aren't based in Ireland, but we take their odds at the time of recording when we go live. Thanks to Points PointsBet throughout the course of the season. And there's a number of people we need to thank over the course of the season. We're going to thank the guys here today. CBS, we're going to thank Cassidy Traveller, who's supported throughout the course of the season, Points bet who've thanked us. we going to thank Mark, albeit he's not here, and the members of the team. Christina, who's supported and helped us throughout the course of this show and has been a keen contributor to the show throughout the course of time when she's come on on board Declan Garen who's helped us out as well in the background numerous people
1: yeah so many people and, and the fans uh, the the support we have had I love the interaction uh, love the comments uh, that come in on Twitter acro- kind of across social media Um, it's been great getting to know more people over the the course of the season and hopefully the the community continues to to grow the NFL is committed to, to growing globally and you can you can see it like um, it's, it's been great to see this week the, the number of international media here uh, good to see Michael and Mark here uh, as well this week um, got to give a shout out to Zach Seegers um, a, a great young Broncos writer we've had on the show um, who has been uh, great in terms of providing kind of some background information want to give him a shout. Um, And so many people uh, at at home who have uh, supported us, Um, our our friends and family who've uh, supported us in terms of the time that goes in uh, to producing a a show like this uh, throughout the course of the season. Uh, I think we were doing two, if not three live shows a week. Obviously, there's prep time and then editing that goes into that. You need to support the family in order to to do that. So um, big shout out to uh, all of those people as well. And all our guests throughout the the year and throughout the past three years who have taken their time to come on to talk to us about this game that that we all love. Um, And uh, it's been a brilliant year the culmination of it is tomorrow. um, But that will not be the, you know, the the culmination of the the season as such. We're going to continue. There'll be content throughout the offseason, going to be covering free agency, the draft and everything else. The NFL does not stop. You saw my tongue that I was coming to the family part. I did want to thank the family back
0: home for supporting throughout the course of the season. And obviously we're just going away to do the show this week and obviously spend our time in Radio Row. Tomorrow, 4.30 or um, local time, mountain time, (laughs) I need to call the Pacific last week, 11.30 at home, numerous events, numerous social gatherings in Dublin, in Dublin, Cork, Galway, throughout the course of the country. We thank everybody who's tuned in today, everybody who'll watch the show later on at some stage today, everybody who's engaged, everybody who showed up for the Captain America's live show a couple of weeks ago, everybody who supports the show, it's been a fantastic response. Every year seems to get better in terms of community, the engagement throughout the course of the week from week one to the off season, kind of touched on free agency. Thank everybody. Enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll be in there tomorrow and I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be a great day.
1: Yeah, and if there is stuff that you want us to cover in the off season, things you'd like to see us do, places you'd like to to see us go, get in contact with us. We love interacting with fans, so please do. The show would not happen without the, the people who watch engage with us. So we truly appreciate your support as well.
0: It's early afternoon here. I know it's late in the evening at home. Everybody, thanks again. Enjoy the
2: game tomorrow in the Irish NFL Show. Signing out, Glendale, Arizona.